This is Howard Anderson, news editor at Information Security Media Group, and today we're talking with Faisal Nanji, executive director at the security consulting firm Techiman. Thanks for joining us today, Faisal. It's a pleasure to be here, Howard. Uh, you gave a presentation here at the HIMSS conference today about the use of encryption. Can you clarify uh, what both HIPAA and the High Tech Act have to say about encryption? Now, neither one explicitly requires it, right? That's precisely right. Um, a meaningful use, however, does have specific requirements for uh, for security, but let me take a step back and explain that if we really think about security in healthcare, there are right now there are at least four interlocking considerations for security. The first is clearly the breach notification rule, which is a safe harbor rule. That is, if you encrypt anything, uh, you're given a free pass and get out of jail free card. The second is the annual guidance that's supposed to come out of the Health and Human Services Department as part of the High Tech Act every year. There's supposed to be an annual guidance on how you should consider encryption. Uh, the third is clearly the HIPAA security rule, which is the cornerstone of information security within healthcare. And that, you're right, is it's still an addressable requirement. It's not a compulsory requirement. And the fourth is meaningful use. And meaningful use, as you know, has three stages, stage one, stage two, and stage three. And there will probably be even some subsequent stages. Stage one, there really wasn't any explicit mention of encryption, but there was an implied mention, which is let's conduct a security risk assessment. And ergo, that means if you conduct a security risk assessment, what you really have to do is really understand where your risks lie. That's what the definition of a security risk assessment is. And if you're conducting all your, if you're conducting that assessment, you get to know where your areas of most risk are and therefore where you might want to encrypt. That was stage one. Stage two is a bit a little more specific. Stage two requires three things. The first thing that it requires is that you must you, you must require of your EHR vendors rather is, is that they have they should have the ability to provide for you secure messaging for email and other forms of communication with your your patients or vendors or other partners. The EHR system must be able to do that for you. That's that's one thing in stage two. The second thing in stage two, which is also quite interesting, is that the EHR, each EHR vendor must be able to wipe out any data that exists on any viewing device like an iPad or a tablet. So once you, as a doctor, have looked at, let's say, patient information on your iPad, you must be able to, as an EHR vendor, wipe that out so your iPad acts as a thin client. Or you can encrypt it, of course, but most people will opt for wiping the device clean. And the third piece is also an implied encryption challenge, and that is because patients are now in stage two, uh, have the ability, or a certain number of patients, such as a percentage that the, that the uh, ONC has set aside, must be able to download, view, or transmit their PHI to another third party if they request it. So this means that the implied encryption piece is that you, as a healthcare provider, have to m- make sure and support the encryption mechanisms because it's, it's probably impossible for patients to do that. And so you really have to look at your vendors very, very closely. Your vendors are uh, your, either your, your EHR vendors or your portal vendors. And one of the problems also, I mean, just to expand a little bit more, is that your portal vendor might not be your EHR vendor. And when, if that's the case, you'll have a lot of finger pointing. And, you know, it's the encryption problem is yours and not yours, says the uh, EHR vendor to the portal vendor. And as 
senior technology leaders, CIOs and so forth, I think you, you really have to kind of make sure that you understand what the vendor is providing to you in terms of the ability to track and uh, disabling and enabling encryption through logging mechanisms, the ability to actually conduct uh, encryption, and uh, the ability to actually do other things that are around encryption that improve your process. Now, more than half of the major breaches reported so far have involved the loss or theft of unencrypted devices or media. So why is encryption more widespread? Why are we seeing so many breaches of unencrypted devices? Well, interestingly enough, uh, there are some no-brainers that people should have for encryption. And these no-brainers are, I mean, it's absolutely absurd that people do not have encryption for the following. All mobile devices all easily accessible servers and desktops. So by that I mean even in an office. It should be encrypted. The other uh, area where I think encryption has to be done is in terms of backup tapes. If you're a hospital, say, and you're generating a lot of data on a daily basis, what you're doing is you're taking the data and you're, you're backing this up on tape. You're taking this tape and then shipping it out well, the problem with that is if you're, if you're not encrypting that data, there's a small chance that the FedEx person or the Iron Mountain person could lose the tape, and it's happened. And so there are some no-brainers with regards to encryption that you have to do. Backup tapes, mobile devices, laptops, and desktops and servers which are not housed in the data center. And, and why isn't that being done more commonly? No. You know that it boggles the mind. I, th- I think, I think it's a failure of governance. I think if you really look at governance, the chief security officer or the security officer—there might not even be a chief security officer—the security officer in a hospital organization typically reports to the CIO. Therein lies the problem. The CIO is responsible for operational excellence, not compliance excellence or integrity monitoring. And so, in this case, the fox is running the hen house, and of course, the CIO is going to really put all his dollars in operational performance as much as as much as he can, and leave a just a very little amount for security. So, here we have a governance problem, and I think the CEOs need to realize that the CIO should not be in charge of both operating an IT infrastructure and monitoring the IT infrastructure. Those should be separate. Now, are there particular technical challenges involved in using encryption that are causing people trouble? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, the two main technical challenges are, are around processing power required. It becomes very slow if you're using software-based encryption. It takes a long time for the thing for the drive to boot up and then you know get decrypted. So processing power is a big issue, but also latency. Uh, if you're encrypting stuff and you're encrypting and you require a decryption key, if you're sending stuff over a large network, you, you have very poor response times. Latencies decrease. And the third area where uh, it's problematic from an IT perspective is that there's many places where you can encrypt. You can encrypt at the file level, you can encrypt at the hard drive level, you can en- encrypt entirely on a mail folder level. And so where do you encrypt and what's the most suitable way for encryption? So those are some of the technical challenges. So what are some of the core decisions that an organization has to make as it develops an encryption strategy as a result of all that? Uh, so the first thing that I think what you need to do is you need to identify all, where all your EPHI lies. We don't really know in most organizations where all our EPHI lies. And, you know, EPHI lies in biomedical devices. It, it, it can 
in, in iPads, in laptops, in servers, in databases, in a wide range of things. So first we do an inventory of where all our EPHI does. Second, then what we do is then we assign tiers of risk to where this EPHI is. How risky is it based on where it's, it sits? And you would typically do, a this is part of the risk assessment, you would end up with, you know, I have 20 applications which are really risky, another 30 applications of medium risk, and 30 applications which are not as sensitive because they contain marketing data, let's say. So once you've gone through this risk assessment process, then you do the third thing. You conduct what is known as data flow mapping. And data flow mapping basically maps where your data is flowing from one point to the other. And the reason why that's important is because if you're transmitting data from point A to point B, a lot of times you might be actually using an external network or an external carrier like AT&T and Comcast. And if that's the case, uh, you've got to be careful about that because AT&T and Comcast and Verizon, they do not encrypt the data for you. Furthermore, if you're using any information in the cloud, any, any applications in the cloud, you are clearly sending data over the Internet into the cloud. So how are your cloud vendors securing your data? Do they have the right physical facilities? Do they have the right administrative facilities? Do they have the right technical controls? And you really have to judge that. So it's, it's very important for you to understand that uh, both in data in motion and data at rest, you have, some, you, have, you have to really understand that. So once you've gone through those three steps, then you go to step four. And step four is, okay, now I understand my situation. I understand where, my, what, I understand where, where all my data is. That's really sensitive. I know, I know uh, where, how it's being transmitted. I've clearly recognized that there are tiers of risk. And so now I can then use my precious resources to allocate adequately or as efficiently as I can uh, into what's, what makes the most sense. And so then I can choose from the range of myriad range of controls that there are. There are lots of controls for encryption. Well, thanks for your time today, Faisal. Thanks very much, Howard.